Did you know that within a decade, women will hold $30 trillion in investable assets? Yet somehow, only 19% of women reported feeling confident in selecting investments that align with their long-term goals. Our friends at InvestHer are out to change that. InvestHer Con is the number one premier conference for women in real estate, and it's happening June 2nd through the 4th in Austin, Texas. InvestHerCon is not just another real estate conference. It's a transformational experience focused on real estate investing, business strategies, and self-care tactics, all designed to help women take control of their financial futures. Gain the knowledge and skills you need to grow your portfolio and build a sustainable business, all while connecting with over 500 women who are playing at the same level. To learn more and to get your tickets, visit InvestHerCon.com today and use the code 100BESTEVER to get $100 off your ticket. That's InvestHer, H-E-R, Con.com, promo code 100BESTEVER to get $100 off your ticket. Just being really careful to say what it is you want out of your investment or the person sitting across the table from you or, or the guy on the other end of the phone. Like, Be very clear, not in a rude way, but just this is who I am. This is what I do. This is why I'm doing it. Best ever listeners, I'm so excited to share today's sponsor with you. It's Eastern Union Funding and Arbor Realty Trust. If you're in the multifamily space, you likely recognize these names, but have you used them? Uh, I'm guessing if you haven't, then you probably know someone who has. I can tell you personally, we have used uh, Mark Belsky. He is a point person at Eastern Union Funding as a partner with us. And he has helped us secure debt uh, for actually a deal we closed on this month. And we've worked with him. Um, in addition, my clients, my program, my consulting program have worked with him to successfully close on deals. Uh, when we were starting out, Ashcroft was starting out, we had somewhat of a track record, but we weren't fully as established with our investor network. I went to him and we secured some equity, $500,000 in equity to fund one of our deals. While he works with more institutional partners, you know, he's uh, brought $200 million in equity over the last 12 months. He was able to help us out there and we've built a relationship with him and Eastern Union Funding ever since. So if you need equity for your deal and you have a track record then he's your point person. His number is 212-897-9875. If you need debt, then he partners up with Arbor on a lot of transactions. So if you're a multifamily borrower who wants agency or bridge debt, then that's the team to work with. Uh, we have worked with their team, both Eastern Union and Arbor, on deals. And people who have purchased our deals, purchased deals from us, have used Arbor, as well as my clients in my consulting program, they've used it. So this is a recommendation that comes from firsthand experience. And the last thing I'll say about uh, working with Mark Belsky at Eastern Union is that if you need a loan guarantor, but don't have that track record quite yet, then Mark can look at what you've, the deal you've got and assuming it checks out, he can make introductions to people he knows as potential loan guarantors for your deal. So debt, equity, and potentially loan guarantors. Uh, all you need, well, you need to find a deal, obviously. Um, but besides that, you know the other main components of the deal they can help you out with. So talk to Mark Belsky. His email is mbelsky at 
easterneq.com and his phone number 212-897-9875. Best ever listeners, how you doing? Welcome to the best real estate investing advice ever show. I'm Joe Fairless. This is the world's longest running daily real estate investing podcast. We only talk about the best advice ever. We don't get into any of that fluffy stuff with us today. Carol Ellis, how you doing, Carol? I'm doing well. Thanks for having me. Well, I'm glad to hear it, and it's my pleasure. A little bit about Carol. She is the editor-in-chief of Think Realty Magazine. She's the co-founder of Self-Directed Investor Society. She has been investing, writing, reporting, and educating in the real estate space since 2006, based in Hotlanta. So with that being said, Carol, you want to give the best ever listeners a little bit more about your background and your current focus? Absolutely. I got started in real estate because I bought a house with a no-money-down loan, and I swore I was the person that all of your best ever listeners hate. I was the person who sat at the closing table and randomly decided I need to read every word in a document. (laughs) And I swore I'd never be in that position again. So I got my real estate license and then the market crashed. And around that time, I was actually working at a magazine and I was also creating a lot of real estate educational content. So if you bought a home study course in the earlier mid-2000s, there's a pretty decent chance I either wrote it or helped write it. When the market crashed, my husband Brian and I started working on education and teaching people, honestly, overseas where their money was strong against the dollar (laughs) to invest in the United States. So we did a lot of coaching, a lot of teaching. Throughout that entire period, we were sort of doing various things of our own too. And eventually, after quite some time. I ended up at Think Realty Magazine, which is my dream job. I'm the editor-in-chief of that magazine, and that's where I am today. How are you reaching international investors when talking to them about investing in the U.S.? Well, you have to remember we're going back about 10, 12 years. So (laughs) (laughs) the concept of virtual real estate or virtual investing was much newer, and it was kind of the Wild West in terms of Today, I would just go on Craigslist or somewhere like that and say, hey, I need a website, and I'd probably get 50 people offering to make me one, and probably 10 of them would be really good. At that time, it was a much more alien concept. So we did a lot of webinars. Goodness, I think maybe when he started, he was still doing teleconferences, but that was before me. So we had a series of websites, and we learned how to find motivated sellers, and a lot of those people need to be walked through contracts and things like that because it's a different system. We had a huge physical manual that I wrote. (laughs) All sorts of stuff that today people would be like, yeah, that's great. But at the time, incredibly useful and a wonderful resource. A lot of people ended up using them for their own businesses. Sometimes they didn't even have anything to do with real estate by the time they were done customizing them. It was amazing. Now you're the editor-in-chief at Think Realty Magazine. What are your responsibilities? (laughs) My responsibilities are wonderful. Every week I speak with dozens of real estate investors about the strategies they're using, the markets they're working in. I get to interview economists, anybody related to the real estate industry. We're talking to in order to pull in as much actionable, insightful information into one place, our magazine, so that when you pick it up and read it, you can really get a very good handle, not just on how the national or a specific regional economy is working, but also what real people are doing right now and why it is, or in some cases, is not working. What's an interview that stands out? Well, honestly, I would say all of our cover interviews really stand out to me because 
especially this year. It's just been a real honor. We got to interview Samuel Freshman from Standard Management Company. I got to interview Svenja Goodell from Zillow. Rick Sharga, I have long admired him, and so I was thrilled to interview him in June. Lawrence Young from NAR. All of those people are people who took time to talk to our readers and say, real estate investing matters, and you as an individual investor matter. And here's some stuff that they know that maybe you wouldn't know just on an individual level. So it's just really amazing. Do you have a process for preparing for an interview? Yes. (laughs) To be interviewed or to interview? (laughs) To interview someone. Yes. I have eight icebreaker questions. I don't always use them all. And they are incredibly generic. And I use those because when you're talking to someone to learn something from them, I feel like it's really important to let them tell their own story or their own strategy or whatever it is. So I do a lot of research in terms of I Google stalk them and, (laughs) you know, I read everything I can about them, but I don't ever say, I know you wrote this in the Wall Street Journal, for example. I always start with that really generic question, like what's your favorite strategy, favorite market, favorite deal, proudest moment. If you weren't in real estate, what would you be doing instead? If your life was a headline, things like that that are wide open because I can always ask about the Wall Street Journal article or whatever it is later. But I don't know necessarily if that's really the thing that is the best thing for us to pull out of that. So I always do a lot of reading and then keep everything very generic. And I always warn them ahead of time because I don't want them to think I don't care. (laughs) Yep. And with your approach, it sounds like you want it to be open-ended at the beginning, allow them to take the lead, and then you play off of what they say after that? Absolutely. So... One of the interviews that we did this year, and I hope that he forgives me if I don't say his name perfectly, he's the CTO at auction.com. His name's Amit Agarwal. And there were so many interesting things about what he did before he got to auction in terms of being involved in some banking and finance software, some of his own views on education and how that affects real estate and how you should be strategizing that we never would have ever gotten if I had started out saying, you're the CTO for auction.com and going from there because it just, it wouldn't have come out. How do you apply that approach to other interviews? Really, I think it holds true in everything. If you're going to go talk to a motivated seller, and I'm sure your listeners have heard this 10,000 times, but you know, if you go in and talk to a motivated seller and you go in telling them how they feel, like you automatically sort of put yourself at a disadvantage. (laughs) You need to find out how they actually feel and then figure out how to solve the problem. That's not groundbreaking information. But it's really the same thing for everybody. Like investors are incredibly innovative. They're incredibly creative. And a lot of times they're not as proud as they should be or as aware of how amazing they are in terms of finding flexible and new solutions to things as I think they should be. So I really want to go in and if I interview someone, I want to make sure that I'm getting everything I can out of them. But I also really want them to come away from that feeling like that they've done a service because they have, not just for me, like to every single person who's reading the magazine or going to the website or anything. And I really want them to feel that because it's an honor. Mm -hmm. What are some lessons you mentioned the investors that you speak to? They're incredibly innovative and creative 
what are some lessons that you've learned through the interviewing that are real estate specific? Well, I think that you have to be very careful in real estate not to get into a box. Most of the people, honestly, that we interview, turns out they're not in a box. (laughs) But in terms of looking at an investment, again, not groundbreaking information. You need to have an exit strategy. You probably need more than one. You need to look at the worst case scenario. All of those things are so standard. I think a lot of people, including me from time to time, sort of forget about them. Then it's like, well, what am I going to do with this? It's not working the way I wanted it to work. Well, when you interview pretty much any investor, every single person, you would get a different answer as to how to solve that problem, whether it's, oh, well, I used to wholesale, but I got stuck with a couple of deals that I couldn't move and I didn't want to not buy them. So now they're Airbnbs or really flexible things like that. Lots of things in terms of financing anybody who is involved with self-directed investing usually has about a thousand different legal creative ways to accomplish whatever it is that they want in their specific retirement account. The strategy is boundless. When you said don't get into a box, will you elaborate on what you meant by that? Sure. Like there's a box. Like if I say, my name is Carol and I flip houses, that sort of puts a box around me. I flip houses. That means theoretically I buy at a certain price. I improve to a certain extent. I sell at a certain other price. But if you say, my name is Carol, I'm a real estate investor. All of a sudden you get all these other opportunities. And if any of those points along the way that don't work or the gear gets stuck or something like that, all of a sudden, if you're not a flipper, you're a real estate investor. It just changes the mindset. Does that make sense? It does. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, it does. It's more of an evolution. When you're in an interview and you are looking for something beneath the surface. So perhaps you're getting canned answers. How do you get beneath the surface with someone? (laughs) See, now you're making me nervous. (laughs) I'm afraid I'm being canned. Um, (laughs) Oh, no, no, I wasn't talking about you. (laughs) No, I was kidding. (laughs) So that does happen. I think pretty much everyone that answers questions regularly ends up with a set of things that they really like to say. At that point, that's when you kind of like dig out the Google stalking results Mm -hmm. because that shows that you did care and you did have questions. And I asked them about something more specific and I guess if even that doesn't work, then you just tell them. But I have an advantage because my interviews aren't live. Ah, got it. So I can say, I really wanted to talk about this and you're not talking about it. Would you please start? Yep. I don't know if people would appreciate that if I did that in a live setting. I probably wouldn't. (laughs) (laughs) So as the editor-in-chief, what are some additional things that if you were to speak at a conference that you would speak about as it relates to your experience? Man, I would love to speak at a conference. Um, (laughs) Usually when I speak, and I don't do a lot because think Realty has ambassadors and other people who do that. But usually I am fortunate to get to do one of two things, both of which I really like. One, I already mentioned, anytime you put me in a room with a group of real estate investors and give me a microphone, I really want to just convey what an honor it is to be able to write about them, to report on them. And not a bragging way, but everybody who is active in real estate should be incredibly proud of themselves. Just such a diverse 
innovative groups. Like I can't get over that. And I just really want every best ever listener and every real estate investor out there to really take a minute to appreciate what they've accomplished by being a real estate investor. So that's one thing. And every once in a while I get to say that. And I think it's important. I love it. I love to say it. The other thing I get to do that I really enjoy is every now and again, I get invited to do market analysis, which is we'll either pick apart a market in terms of what it's been doing recently, what it did long term, what does its community master plan look like, what are trends, what's local policy, and I really try to dig into indicators of what might happen in the future, what's happening now, what to be aware of, things like that. With the market analysis, how do you gather the information that you just said, which is what it's done recently, what it's done long term, community master plan, trends, and local policy? Well, thanks to Think Realty, I have an incredible advantage because we get to work with Adam Data Solutions. And that is a wonderful starting point for anything like that because they've got, goodness, I don't even know, data on, da- on data on data. It used to be Realtree's track and it was all about foreclosures. Now it's so much more. So you can kind of say, okay, well, here are some things that I think would guide me toward For example, we recently created a list of notable turnkey markets. Here's some things I think would be interesting to start with in terms of turnkey markets. And of course, Adam's data happens to have a lot of very specific turnkey data. So we just use that. But then from there, once you've got your list of very hard data and some markets that you've decided are interesting for whatever your purposes are, then you go in, you read everything you can on the Chamber of Commerce. I would never cite Wikipedia, but it is a good place to start in terms of, I don't feel like you can believe it in terms of being researched, but it's a great place to look to find sort of trends in the economy, or if you want a little history, you know, whatever it is that you're trying to do, that's a good place to start. And then you kind of go and Google that stuff out to make sure it's actually true. A community master plan should be available online to the public. You just sort of have to Google around until you find it. What is a community master plan? Oh, they're so cool. It sort of depends because they're kind of a trendy thing that communities use to get grants if they're using them right a lot of the time. But it basically says, here's our community now. Here's what we want it to be. And here's how we think we're going to get there. And here's what we need, whether it's money or population or different industry. And sometimes they're just that. If that's all they've got, then I would say it's maybe not all that much of a master plan. (laughs) But a really good one will say, and here are the 20 grants from state and federal sources that we could qualify for if we did this to our main street. Or maybe if you go and you match up a master plan with public department of transportation information, you can say, okay, well, they said they needed to get more people working in this area. And you can see that there are bus routes going in this area now or planned for 12 months from now or whenever. All of that's technically public information. Not everybody has a community master plan, so if it's not, then they may just not have one. But basically, it's just a chart of where they want to go, and then you try to sort of match it up with where they are now and also with what kind of progress they're making. Because if they haven't made any, then it's great they have a plan, but they may not really be doing anything. That's right, yeah. It's nice to verify the progress, that's for sure. Based on your experience interviewing successful real estate investors as well as your own experience investing, what is your best real estate investing advice ever? I think probably to be articulate, not in terms of being persuasive or making a sale, but in terms of just being really careful to say what it is you want out of 
your investment or the person sitting across the table from you or, or the guy on the other end of the phone. Like, be very clear, not in a rude way, but just, this is who I am. This is what I do. This is why I'm doing it. But not to get too overboard in terms of being articulate until they've told you those things. Do you have a personal example of this? <laughs> so I like to talk and I have lots of things that I think are really interesting to say. However, it is basically, you just made my day by letting me do this because normally my job is not to talk. And it is so hard because when you interview somebody and they're saying all this great stuff and you want to like tell them what you think about it, <laughs> you have to remember <laughs> they didn't tell you you could interview them so they could have a conversation with you and get your insight. It's not what you're going to get out of it. What you're getting is their insight. And sure, if you have a rapport and you end up being friends, that's wonderful. But that's really the thing. And fortunately, I learned it a long time before I ever even got into real estate at another magazine that I was working at. So I didn't ruin any interviews recently, but I definitely blew a few early on. We're going to do a lightning round. You ready for the best ever lightning round? I'll try. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, then we'll do it together. First, though, a quick word from our best ever partners. Do you need debt for your deal, equity for your deal, or maybe a loan guarantor to help you get qualified for the financing Talk to Mark Belsky. His number is 212-897-9875. That's 212-897-9875. His email is mbelsky at easterneq.com. The Target Market Insights Podcast is just that, a show solely dedicated to help you learn about target markets through the people successfully shaping them. The show features professionals who work directly with the audience and market you want to connect with in real estate. Listen and subscribe today at TargetMarketInsights.com. That's TargetMarketInsights.com. Best ever book you've recently read? Principles of Real Estate Syndication by Samuel Freshman. Best ever deal you've done? Honestly, I think it was writing articles for Think Realty Magazine a couple of years ago when I first started, because otherwise I'd never be here right now. What's a mistake you've made on a transaction in real estate or just in business? Talking too much. Best ever way you like to give back? I wasn't really sure what I was supposed to say for this one. Obviously, I really do feel like Think Realty gives away a lot of really amazing information, including the magazine digitally, which is free on the website. But I also have a, it's not mine, but I support a charity called No Hungry Children. There's basically like no administrative intervention in terms of money. You know, if you give them a dollar, a dollar feeds a kid for like a week. And they're amazing. They do a lot of work in Africa with a lot of kids who would just have no food and no school or anything if they didn't have the support of that charity. So I really like that charity. Best ever way the best ever listeners can learn more about what you got going on and get in touch with you. Actually, and everybody laughs at me for this, but really the easiest way to do this is to email me. And my email is cellis, C-E-L-L-I-S, at thinkrealty.com. And everybody laughs because they're like, don't give out your email, but it's in the front of every magazine. So <laughs> that's what I do. <laughs> Fair enough. Well, Carol, thank you so much for being on the show, talking about the process you use to open up conversations with people who you're interviewing. You have eight different icebreaker questions that are more open-ended. That way you get them talking and then you evolve the conversation from there. 
and then lessons that you've learned from those interviews as well in terms of the real estate lessons that you talked about to things that you also focus on, which is the market analysis and things to look for there and how to do that if we don't have access to a database and what to look for. So thanks again for being on the show. Hope you have a best ever day and we'll talk to you soon. Thank you so much. The Target Market Insights podcast is just that, a show solely dedicated to help you learn about target markets through the people successfully shaping them. The show features professionals who work directly with the audience and market you want to connect with in real estate. Listen and subscribe today at targetmarketinsights.com. That's targetmarketinsights.com.